Hi, this is Rabbi Ari Spiegler with the Bitra Kila Shari Mitzvah podcast. We continue today in our discussion of Chiloi. Chiloi is the 11th language form or expression of Tefillah. Chiloi, we explained, is a Tefillah where we make certain claims, we make certain arguments with Hashem, and ultimately we try to appease Hashem. We try to reach some form of reconciliation. And we've been talking about the incredible power of the Anshei Knesset HaGdola, the men of the Great Assembly, that they were able to put together in their composition of our different Tefillot. They were able to put together the right claims, the right arguments to make, and ultimately secure that uh, reconciliation to properly appease Hashem in our Tefillot so that they could be the most successful. Rebekah here continues, he says, If you think about it for a moment, Obviously, it's very difficult for us to understand the ways of Hashem. They are greatly hidden from us. That's why we said yesterday it was so powerful that the Anshei Knesset were able to provide us with the proper expression of our tefillot because they had a better understanding of the ways of Hashem. But if you think about it for a moment, that's a little bit difficult as well. Because either way you look at it, it's problematic. If the claim that we're making, if the argument that we're making to Hashem is proper, if it's correct, if it's true, so why should we really need to actually make the claim? Why should we have to express that claim? After all, we say that Hashem, the rock, so to speak, is tamim paolo. His actions are perfect. He is a God of truth, a God of faith, and he makes no sin. He doesn't do anything improperly, God forbid. So why should we even have to make a proper claim in front of him? If you're going to tell me that the Tana, the claim, the argument that we're making is good, so we shouldn't have to make it. And if it's not good enough, so so then what good is it to make a claim which is not, not enough? It's not strong enough or it's not true, right? So either way, which one is it? If it's truth, so then God should be acting on that truth anyway. If it's not truth or it's not enough truth, so then why are we wasting our time? It says, Repinkus, that's not exactly how it works. I think it's actually Daf Nun. It says, look at the Gemara Masach Bavakama on Daf there was a story of a certain character named Nechunia Chofer Shichin. We're told about him that he used to dig wells. He was a person who would dig wells specifically for those who were being Olei Regal. They were going and making the pilgrimage to Yerushalayim for Pesach Shavuot's code. So he used to dig wells in the public property so that they had water uh, that they could drink. So obviously a very big mitzvah. What happens? His daughter falls into a well. So they go to Rabbi Hanina Mendoza. It's actually a fascinating story. And he's davening for her, and he says she's okay during the first hour. She's okay during the second hour. She's okay during the third hour, or somewhere around there, the third hour, fourth hour. He says it must be that she is okay. She's good to go. And turns out she was okay. She was rescued from the pit. There was some miraculous story that she sees perhaps Avram Avinu with a ram, and he's able to pull her out from the pit. All very, very fascinating stuff. But they said to Rabbi Hanina Mendoza, how is it that you knew that she was going to be okay? He wasn't there. He was just davening for her, and somehow he had this premonition that she was okay. So he says, Is it possible that there is this matter that the, the, this tzaddik, Rabbi, uh, the, uh, Rabbi was so busy digging pits for mitzvah in order to provide for other people? Is it possible that something that he worked so hard on, that his children would be tripped up, that they would be harmed by such a pit? How could that be? So Amar Rabbi Acha, Afa Pikain, Mate Beno But the very next line in the Gemara is that we're told that the son of Rabbi Nechunia Chofer Shichin, that this, you know, Rabbi Nechunia, who used to dig wells to provide water for the Ole Regal, his son actually died through thirst. So in theory, you could ask the same question, right? Why was it so obvious to Rabbi Hanina Bedosa 
that this man's daughter would not die in a pit uh, if, at the same time, his son did die from thirst, right? In theory, we would argue that if he was providing uh, pits for mitzvah, that she would be protected. Similarly, if he's providing water for mitzvah, his child should be protected. So what are we supposed to make this? After all, Rabbi Hanir Medosa makes a very, very powerful claim, a very powerful argument. It wouldn't be fair, it wouldn't be proper for his children to suffer at the very, very uh, in, the, in the very matter, matter that he used for mitzvah. So why is it that his son died of thirst? If you look at the Shita Mekabetzad in his commentary to the Gemara there, if you look at that give and take there, so Rabbi Hanir Mendoza, he doesn't say that he made uh, that argument. Rather, what does he mean? He shmati I presented it before Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and I made this argument. How could it be that his children would be harmed? And Hashem agreed with this claim. Because Hashem will answer to or he will agree with the claims of the tzaddikim, the righteous of that generation. Uh, what about his son who then died of thirst? Rabbi Hanina. Rabbi Hanina had already died, and he was unable to make that claim before Hashem. Similar Gemara Masacha Chagiga that tells us that in the upper uh, yeshiva, the yeshiva up in the heavens, so they wouldn't learn anything in the name of Rabbi Meir because Rabbi Meir had a controversial teacher, uh, Rabbi Elisha ben Abuya, also known as the Acher. Because Rabbi Meir learned from this controversial character, they wouldn't say anything in his name. Until Rabbi Yabao comes along and he says to Eliyahu Anavi, what difference does it make to you that Rabbi Meir learned from a, a controversial teacher? He was able to find a nut. He removed the shell, meaning he removed the, the bad, the controversy, and he only held on to the ochel, the part that was good. Right? So he got rid of the bad stuff and he only used the good. And it says, And from that point onward, they said, you know what? That's a good point. What your your claim is correct, and therefore we will now accept the Torah of Rabbi Meir in the Mesivta Derekia. So, what are we supposed to make of these Gemaras? Even though both of the arguments were correct, the argument Rabbi Chanin Bedosa that it wouldn't be fair for the children of Rabbi Nechon Yechovershichin to be harmed by the very mitzvot that he performed, and this idea that Rabbi Meir was able to remove the controversy from that which he learned from Acher, and he was able to hold on to the good stuff, both of those were good claims. Nevertheless, Tzarich. They still had to make the claims. They as if had to present their arguments before Hashem. What are we supposed to understand from this? He says, maybe the explanation is that there's always different matters going on. We don't know the complete divine calculus. We also know that Hashem is especially strict. He's very, very uh, particular when it comes to the tzadikim. So certainly Hashem always agreed with the claim, but along with that was that Rabbi Hanina had a powerful tefillah while he made that claim. But when Rabbi Hanina died and no one was going to make that claim, no one could make that claim or present it before Hashem. So 
then all the other different factors that we're not necessarily aware of that go into this divine calculation, all those came back into play. And ultimately, the son of Rabbi Nechonia Chofreshichin, unfortunately, died of thirst. But that doesn't take away from the truth or the power or the efficacy of that claim. The problem is that the claim needs to be made.